be in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And we know, not hope so, probably so, maybe so, and we know all things work together for good to them that love God and to them which are called according to his purpose. If there was a man in the Bible could claim this verse, if there was a man in the Bible this verse was true about, it was Joseph. And I'm going to show you why in just a minute. Oh, but if it was true with Joseph, thank God it can be true with Mace Jackson. If it was true with Joseph, it can be true with you, brother. And I'm glad tonight that I know the same God that Joseph knew. I'm glad he's the same God. He can keep you if you're in a pit, if you're in a prison, or if you're in a palace. Say amen. And Joseph was in all three of those places. I want you to be seated, beloved, all over the house. I want you to bow your head. Our Father, I want to thank you for every blessing we've enjoyed here in the greater Knoxville Baptist Fellowship. Oh, what a blessing it is to come. Thank you for the good singing. I'm glad for amazing grace. Thank you tonight for all of thy blessings. And we thank you for the Word of God. Now, Lord, as we come to speak tonight, what a blessing it is to take this book and to preach the Word of God. I pray that somebody tonight night will be pricked uh, as on the day of Pentecost uh, in their hearts until they'll cry out, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Uh, I pray tonight that Christians uh, will hunger and thirst after righteousness, uh, that we may see the mighty power of God. Uh, so have your sweet way and we'll praise you, Lord, because we ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Beloved, I want you to look this way and I want to speak to you about a man named Joseph. Of all of the characters in the Word of God, I know of none that thrills me. I know of none that excites me like little old Joseph. Joseph had a brother named Benjamin, and he was the only real brother. All the others were had brothers. But it was something about these two brothers. I wish I had time to get in the message and talk to you about Benjamin and Joseph. But since I don't, I'm glad I can take Joseph. And the scripture says the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Mister, you don't have to worry about accidents, setbacks, and difficulties. The steps of a good man, praise God, are ordered of the Lord. And when you look at this man Joseph, he could claim this verse if he was here tonight. He'd say, and we know all things work. Oh, I love that. All things are working right now for your behalf. In my behalf, I'm glad that God loves you, and God loves me, and God feeds us, and God guides us. And here's little Joseph, and the Bible said, all things, that's what I'm preaching on tonight, all things, when you're down or when you're up, when you're in or when you're out, as far as society is concerned, all things work together for good to those, first, that love God, and then secondly, be called according to his purpose. Let me give you three things about that, and then I'll get into the message. Number one, all things work. Oh, I remember having Harry Ironside in our church, and old Dr. Harry Ironside couldn't hardly see, and he got up one night and opened up the Bible, and he said, I want to quote you a hard verse to understand. Oh, he said, I want to give you something that staggers my imagination, and he read Romans 8, 28. And he said, and all, not part of things, all 
all things work together for good. Now, I never forget what he told. He said, my wife is from Australia, and she can make the best biscuits you've ever tasted. But he said, you know, she takes a little flour, she takes a little salt, a little shortening, a little buttermilk, and a little salt, and she puts all that together, and she begins to work it up. And after a while, when it's all mixed up, she puts it in the oven, and the heat will make the fluffy biscuit that'll melt in your mouth. Now, he said, uh, my wife wouldn't give me flour by itself. My wife wouldn't give me a shortening by itself. My wife wouldn't give me uh, some other ingredient by itself. Because it tastes bad. But said, when it's all put together, and he, I knew where he was going, he said, in our lives, God is taking a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And it's working together. And what a blessing that is. He said, after a while, the biscuits will be done. And the good that you see then, when you look back over the little ingredients, will bless your heart. I want to tell you, through many dangers, falls and snares, we've already come. But I'm glad, praise the Lord, we're near a home that we were yesterday. And he said all things work together. And then he said, for good. Oh, I like that. For those who that love the Lord. I want to ask you something tonight. Do you love Jesus? You remember Jesus said to Simon Peter at the seashore, Lovest thou me more than these? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. I used to sing, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. But you know what? My mother said, sing it different, Maze. Sing, oh, how I love Jesus. I want to tell you tonight, I want to love him. If there's anything, mister, I want to do, I want to be more and more in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, what a blessing that is. And then he said the third thing. He said, for be called according to his purpose. God had a purpose for Joseph, and he was be called. But if you've got your pencils, I want you to write down five all things in the margin of your Bibles. Number one, through family things. I want to tell you, listen to me. Oh, Joseph had a lot of family things to put up with. And if you're saved tonight, sometimes the devil will work on you through your family. Oh, I hear people say, my boy is astray. My daughter's astray. Well, I, I, I really feel sorry for you. That's what you call family trouble. I get letters every day. I get telephone calls every week. And somebody's saying, pray for my family. You say, well, what kind of family things did Joseph have to put up with? Number one in chapter 37, in verse 4 it said, and his brothers hated him. How could people hate their own flesh? How could a brother hate another brother? I want to tell you something. We need to show love one to another. And we need to love our family. Our children need to hear us say we love you. I remember my daddy had a habit 
Boy, it's a good habit. You know what it was? When he'd come in from working, he's tired and he's dirty. He'd say, Lillian, I love you. And then I have only one brother. And you know what he'd say? Fred, I love you. And I was a little old boy, and he'd say, Mays, I love you. Oh, the greatest of these is love. But you'll find that Joseph had family trouble because they hated him. Secondly, Bible said in about verse 10 there, it said, and they, uh, they, they were jealous of him. And in verse uh, 14, it said, they conspired against him. And if you look at this brother, he had trouble, family trouble. What a sad thing. You say, what were they jealous of? They were jealous of three things in the life of Joseph. First, they were jealous. Notice this. They were jealous of his devotion. Did you know he just loved God more than the rest of his family? And they didn't like him. Why, if he'd been and today he'd go to church more than the rest of his family. Some of your family will say, what in the world you go to church all the time? I want to tell you, I believe if you love the Lord, you're going to make your way to the house of God. No, there's no substitute for being here with the brethren, to fellowship with the brethren, to hear the word of God preached. Listen, Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. And we ought to love the things of God and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say they were jealous of his devotion. That's a trouble he had. They were jealous of why he loved the Lord so much. Then his family not only were jealous of his devotion, they were jealous of his dress. Oh, he had a coat of many colors. You see, rest of those boys didn't get that. I want to tell you something. When you was out drinking liquor and hobnobbing with the devil, your family wasn't jealous of you. But you got saved and you started going to church and you started tithing. I hope, bless God, say amen. And you know what happened? Let me tell you something. Your family got jealous. You got a better car than you had when you are serving the devil. And you have better clothes than you've ever worn. And I hate to hear preachers get up and say, I want to... I tell you, I'm having it so hard. I'm having it better than I've ever had it in all of my life. Oh, I want to tell you, we ought to stand and shout for 30 minutes on what God's already done. And we ought to praise Him and thank Him for the blessings that we have. But you get something nice in your family, see, look at that. <laughs> Getting above us, well, that's sad. But your family will get jealous of you. I mean that crowd in your family that don't go to church. That family crowd of yours that believe you, you're a little fanatical. I told them at that funeral last Tuesday morning, I said some of the family here and some of you preachers were jealous of this man. God blessed him. Oh, I want to tell you something. Mister, they were jealous of his devotion. They were jealous of his dress. Number three, they were jealous of his dreams. Oh, when you get so you can't dream. It means vision. Where there are no dreams, there's no vision. And I'll tell you when a Christian gets to the place that he doesn't have a vision and he doesn't have dreams. Mister, you're going to have trouble. I want to tell you, I want to keep my eyes open. I want to keep my ears open. I want my heart to be ready. When God wants to reveal to me the sweetness of his will. Oh, Joseph had dreams. 
and he went to his brethren. He said, boys, uh, one day I'm going to sit on the throne. I don't know what I'm going to do till I get there. But praise God, I've had a dream. My family's going to bow down before me. Oh, they got mad. They didn't like him. He had dreams. And they tried to sneer him. They'd say, yonder comes the dreamer. Oh, listen to me. My little mother used to sing, I dreamed I searched heaven for you. Boy, she'd get up and she'd say, Maze, I dreamed about heaven last night. I dreamed of a better country. I dreamed of a better body. I dreamed of a better time. Listen to me. Bless God, I'm so glad Joseph, in all of his trouble, had dreams. So we see first in all of his family trouble, all things work together for good to those that love God and be called according to his purpose. Not only did he have family things, but he had foreign things. The Bible says in the 28th verse of that 37th chapter, and they took him down to Egypt. You know, he was in a strange country. He couldn't speak their language. He wasn't with his crowd. Anybody can shout, bless God, when you're down here in an old-fashioned revival meeting, but you get out there with the swears and the cursors and the blasphemers and the whoremongers, and you shout then, I don't know it's real, praise God. You get out there and raise your hand and say hallelujah to the Lamb. And I'll know it's real. Listen, anybody can come to a meeting like this and raise your hand. Of course, some of you are afraid to. God, you ought to go home and cut the light out and raise your hand in the dark. Nothing don't happen. You ought to cut the light on and raise it again. Nothing don't happen. Come back tomorrow night and shoot both of them up while I'm a preaching. And don't be ashamed to hear me tonight. As sure as your name's what it is. You say, preacher, here he is in a strange country. Everything was foreign to him. Uh, brothers, a Christian, you wake up one morning and it'll, you'll be in a foreign land, so to speak. Uh, everything will seem foreign to you. Uh, you know what little Joseph did? They brought him down there and they sold him to the slave market stand. And here he was, a slave in the land of Egypt. You know what they did? They took him out. They didn't understand him. They hanged him up by his hands. And they said, we're going to sell you, Joseph. But old Joseph knew that one day, praise God, he'd sit on a throne. He knew that one day God would bring him through all of these dangers and toils and snares. And as he stood there, God sent a man. I like this. Potiphar came by. He was the chief of the guards in the land of Egypt. It wasn't accidental. He said, I want that little old Hebrew slave yonder. And boy, God was in that arrangement because he's going to take him into a palace. Maybe you're on a slave market stand, but if you're God's little youngin' tonight, look out, you'll get in a palace after a while. Praise the Lord. It'll get better because all things work together for good to those that love God. Now watch this. And he sold him into slavery. Now, because of time, let me give you two things that meant to be a slave in Egypt. First, it meant you didn't have a name. Oh, Joseph wasn't known as Joseph. He didn't have a name. I want you to know I got a new name written down in glory. Woo! 
praise God, I know that I know him and he knows me by his name. Thank God. I was reading over in Second Chronicles and there are nine chapters and nothing but names. Right in the middle of all them nine chapters, he talks about a name, man named Jabez. And he calls him a name. He wanted Jabez to know that he loved his people. He put nine whole chapters of nothing but names. But I'm glad there's a book over yonder in the city of God tonight. There's a name written down in glory. Oh, you say, preacher names. I'm glad I've got a new name. And by the way, let me tell you something about your name. That's all you have is your name. When your name is gone, Christian, when your name is gone, preacher, that's all you've got left is your name in this world. Listen, he had no name. Secondly, he had not a penny, no property. Think about being down there in a foreign land where he couldn't understand the people, where he didn't have a place to lay his head. Stand down in the land of Egypt with not a dime in his pocket, mister. Oh, I want to tell you something. Maybe the devil came up to little Joseph and said, Buddy, I got you where I want you now. But old Joseph knew that God had made him a promise. And he could say to the devil, Buddy, you may think you got the victory, but I'll come out on top in the end. Praise God. I want to tell you something, mister. Here we see Joseph with family things and then foreign things. Now write this down. 39th chapter. And by the way, in the 39th chapter, it says three times, and the Lord was with Joseph. Glory to God. You don't have to worry as long as the Lord's with you. Do you know that? Now I'm glad he said he'd never leave you. He'd never forsake you. And though your brother, your mother, forsake her sucking child, the Lord said, I'll never forsake you. And he'll be there with you. I'm glad I got somebody with me. Praise the Lord. Say, preacher, amaze. Praise the Lord. I got somebody with me. And he said, I'll never, never leave you. You say, you may leave him. No, I can't. He won't leave me. That's why I'm glad. He said he'd never leave me. He said, I'll go with you to the end. I don't know where the end is, but praise God, he'll be with me to the end. You'll say, he'll be with you to the end. Now, watch this. I want to show you something. He's down in land of Egypt. And we had to confront fleshly things. There's a crowd that preach on the radio that says, when you become a Christian and get sanctified, you become eradicated of the old man, and you won't have any trouble out of the flesh anymore. Let me tell you something. Your soul or spirit saved, but that flesh is just like it was when you got saved. It's no more saved than it was when you trusted Jesus. But I'll tell you, we can have victory over the flesh and victory over the old man, and we can see God's glory. Now, what's this? The Bible said Joseph was in the house of Potiphar. He is out. Uh, Potiphar was gone. That old wicked woman came in and said, Lie with me, Joseph. My husband's gone. And see, Joseph was now facing fleshly things. And she said, won't you lie with me? And Joseph said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And boy, he got up and started running. All she got was his coat. And brother, he ran out of the palace. You know what she did? She screamed, rape! 
she screamed and lied upon him. Mister, you're going to be confronted tonight with fleshly things on your way to the city of God. That's what Jesus said. He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Listen to what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew 26. He said, the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, mister. Any church that leans on the flesh is not going to do very much for God. Any singer uh, that sings in the flesh uh, won't do much for God. Any preacher that just preaches in the flesh. Uh, but when the big preacher comes, uh, and bless God, you stand where no one stands alone. Uh, and praise God, the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Uh, and everybody gets to look in the light. Uh, and you get a good case of don't care. Uh, praise the Lord. You can just go right down the line. Uh, and you talk about easy preaching. Uh, brother, that's easy preaching. See, you said preaching. Old lady down in South Carolina said to me, said, you preach everything God tells you to? I said, yes, ma'am, and I'm afraid I preach some things God don't tell me to. Say amen. You can get over there in the flesh, brother. You hear me? You can get over there in the flesh if you're not careful. I heard a man preach the other day, Brother Nix. He's a retired preacher. He's getting old. And boy, somebody said, is that Jubilee? Why don't you let him just testify? I said, no, he's got a message for us. He's been down through the valley. He knows the sorrows and the heartaches of a life up here in these mountains. And I said, I want him to preach. And boy, he preached the greatest sermon I'd ever heard. Oh, he preached only if I could go back and preach every sermon again. He said, there's one thing. I wouldn't beat other people on the head till I got my own head straight. He said, praise God. He said, I'll tell you, if I had it to do over, I'd never preach mad. He said, I've actually got in the pulpit and I've been angry. But he said, if I could preach it all over again, I'd want the Lord to touch me and fill me with the wasted love of God until I'd stand there with tears and compassion telling people that God had the answer and that the Lord could deliver and what a blessing that old man was when he got through telling about his ministry and he said folks I can't live it over I can't go back but he said you know I didn't preach in the spirit as much as I wished I had have preached in the Spirit. He said, because all of that fleshly preaching I've done, hey, wood and stubble will be burned. But every sermon I preached and exalted Jesus and preached the Word, gold and silver and precious stone. And he said, I'll not lose my reward. Are you listening to me tonight? Fleshly things. I want to give you something. I preach over at Cherokee some. Elder Camp, you know, I like them Indians. Some of you don't like Indians. Of course, I preach to Indians all the time. You say, no, you don't. Yes, I do. They sit there and, la, 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 while I'm preaching. Amen. You know I'm telling you the truth, bless God. Just shows your name's what it is. Amen. But I preached over there and I got two free. If you ever go to Cherokee, go down to Crow Brothers Barbershop. It's the only native barbershop in Cherokee. They're brothers, Crow Brothers. And they came up right to hear me preach at Bryson City and sat on the front row. And you know, they don't smile. And brother, listen to me. You talk about sitting bulls. Now, they are. They just sit there. I like to bless God, wiggle your little finger, do something while I'm a preaching. And they just sat there. Next day, me and brother Tom went down to Cherokee and he said, you need a haircut. 
That's what my wife said before I left this time. I said, I ain't had time. He said, you need a haircut, Mace. Let's go in here to the Crow Brother Barbershop. Boy, he looked mad. I mean, that Indian looked mad. I got in the seat. I said, Brother Crow, are you going to scalp me? He said, yes, sir. You skipped me last night, and I'm going to scalp you today. Praise God. Oh, let me tell you something. He looked at me and he said, buddy, you ain't got much there. But I guess through it, you ain't going to have none to go back to Atlanta with. Listen to me. Years ago in Cherokee, North Carolina, many years, over a hundred years ago, a missionary came through that little village back when they didn't have stores and things like they have now. And preached, and the Indian chief was saved. And six months later, missionary got back, and he said to the Indian chief, he said, how's it been since I've been away? Have you enjoyed living for the Lord? And he said, mm-hmm. He said, it's like two dogs right here. They're fighting, and they're biting, and they're barking right in my chest. And the missionary said, which one of them wins? And the old Indian said, the one I say seek him to is the one that wins. You say, preacher, what kind of battle was that? That was a battle between the flesh and the spirit, between the old man and the new man. And Joseph had to face fleshly things. He had to face, my friend, foreign things. And family things. But notice number four. He had to face forgotten things. Have you ever been forgotten? Have you ever felt like nobody at church ever remembered you on your birthday? Have you ever uh, just uh, felt like that nobody cared enough to remember you? Forgotten. Oh, Paul said, all of them forgot me and forsook me, but the Lord, but he didn't forsake me. And praise God, he did not forget me. He stood with me, Paul said. Now, here's Joseph. Let me show you something. Only time Joseph ever asked for help in his whole life was when the butler was being released from the prison. And old Joseph looked up and he said, when you get out, remember me. Mister, did you know for two years uh, that butler forgot Joseph? For two long years, Joseph sat in that cold prison. For two years, Joseph uh, sat on an old cold slab. But him and I, something's going to happen. They're going to remember Joseph. Thank God. I want to tell you something. I'm glad he's never forgotten me. Brother, I've forgotten him a lot of times. I've made decisions and I've gone places and I didn't consider him. But I want to tell you, he's never forgotten me. Oh, what a blessing it is to know that the Lord will never forget you. If you want a blessing, you go through your Bible. It says, and God remembered Noah. And God remembered Abraham. And just go right down through this book, and you'll see that though men forgot God, God never forgot man. Thank God He's faithful tonight. He won't forget you when you're sick. He won't forget you. And I'll tell you something that helped me when I was in Chattanooga. And they said I died twice. Now, I didn't die twice. If I ever cross the river, bless God, I'm not coming back. Say amen right there. I want to tell you, if I get over there where there's no sin and no sorrow and no separation, honey, I'm not heading back this way. Oh, thank God. But I was up there, and I'd preached against some of the preachers there in that town. Not by name, but I'd preached. I didn't agree with every little thing. They didn't cross every little, you know, T like I did. They didn't dot every little I. And they didn't run around my little racetrack. And bless God, they didn't fly under my little flag. I'd chew them out. And uh, they got on the radio, listen to me. 
And they said, one announcement on WSOC in Chattanooga. Brother Mays Jackson, evangelist, is at the point of death and he needs blood. And in an hour and 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 165 people came to Erlanger Hospital and stood outside and said, we've come to give blood to Brother Mays. We haven't forgotten him. We want him to know that we haven't forgotten him. And some of them was them preachers I'd talked about. God, I had to repent six months after I got well for... Amen. I did. Oh, listen to me. I'll tell you about a little homeless guy came up. I never said... never. I, I didn't see him for three weeks. And I've been a Baptist. But I got news for some of you. A Baptist, there'll be some wholeness in heaven. Those that cleansed in the blood. But I, they had me in intensive care and... God had to go out with Brother Burgess and some of the preachers. That little homeless preacher was from Lafayette, Georgia. You know where Lafayette is. If you're from up north, they call it Lafayette. But they call it Lafayette down there. You heard about the two Yankees was going through Lafayette, that man and his wife. And he said to her, you know how you pronounce this place? And she said, Lafayette. Oh, he said, no, it's Lafayette. So they stopped at a little place to get something to eat and got him a sandwich. And he called the little waitress over and he said, Honey, would you tell my wife slowly where we are? Oh, she said, I don't want to do it. Oh, he said, Yeah, tell her. She don't believe it. And she said, All right. Said, You're in Burger King. That's where you are. Yeah. Uh, but Lafayette. They had a little homeless preacher came up there. You know what he said to that nurse out there at intensive care, out there in that little round circle with? He said, I never met Brother Mays. But said many a morning I'd get up and I'd be down and I'd listen to him and I'd go to shout and praising God. And I want to tell him I love him. And she said, I'm sorry, you'll have to wait. We can't let anybody back there in that room. And she turned her back and he slipped back there. And guess what he did? He got on my bed. And Lord, I, I was coming to him going out. And I heard something on the bed and I said, Lord, I hope that ain't the devil on there. I talked about him awful bad. My wife came back in and she said, who's under my husband's bed? And he said, ma'am, I want to reach over and touch old Mays' hand and tell him I love him. And the doc said, all right. And he touched my hand, I said. Then he turned around and said, the life of the flesh is in the blood. I'm going down to give him part of my life. <laughs> oh, you say, Brother Mays, are you listening? I'm glad they didn't forget me. There'll be times, Mother, when you'll feel you're forgotten. There'll be times, Preacher, when you'll feel you're forgotten. That little old butler forgot him for two years. But God let that Pharaoh have a dream. He dreamed, and he said, Can any of you tell me the interpretation thereof? And they said, No, sir. We don't. He got his soothsayers and his Chaldeans and his smart guys. Let me tell you, if you don't know God, you can't discern this book, mister. Listen to me. If you don't know the Holy Ghost, you can't interpret this book. Takes the Spirit of God. You know what happened? They could, and that butler remembered him. After two years, that butler said, Hey, Pharaoh, there's a man up yonder named Joseph. And he can interpret dreams. And, and he can tell you what you dream. And they went and got Joseph. And if Joseph had been an independent Baptist preacher, especially the Vances, he'd have went up there and said, I, I want to tell you how many revivals I hold every year. <laughs> and he'd say, I want to tell you about that little newspaper I published every month. <laughs> and he said, I want, you know what Joseph said? I like this. 
He said, I can't tell you that. I don't know the secrets of your dreams. But I want to tell you one thing, King. I know a God that can interpret the dreams. Hallelujah, brother. He bragged on God. He said, I know a God that can tell you what you dreamed and can tell you the interpretation thereof. And he prayed, and God keep him. And Joseph said, you went down to the river in your dream. And he said, when you got to the river, you saw seven fat cows walk out of that riverbed. And after that, you saw seven skinny cows walk out and divide the fat cows. He said, then you went over to a corn patch, and you saw a stalk, and there were seven fat ears of corn. And down at the bottom were seven nubbins. Now, you know what a nubbin is. You know what a nubbin is, a little old bitty, not, it is about the size of my two fingers. He said, those little ears ate the big ears. And Pharaoh said, tell me, tell me the interpretation. He said, you better get your silos ready. You better get your barns ready. We're going to have seven years of plenty in the land of Egypt. <laughs> And old Pharaoh let it be known all over the country that he had remembered Joseph. Well, let me say to you, Joseph was a forgotten man for a while. You may feel forgotten, but God hasn't forgotten you. If you're his child, he'll be with you to the end. And what a blessing! So we see forgotten things. Then last but not least, we see the final things. You see... The best was yet to come for Joseph. <laughs> oh, listen, if it gets any better around here, I don't believe I can stand it. Bless God, I may jump this flat-footed back here. Say amen. I like it, brother. I like the Spirit of the Lord. I like to be preaching, God squeeze my heart, juice run out my eyes. I like to hear the little wheels turn over and the big wheels. And brother, for the thing to get right. And you say, preach a maze. I, I don't understand that. I don't either, but I enjoy it just the same. Oh, what a blessing it is to enjoy the blessings of God. The final things. This is what the Bible says. Genesis 41, verse 41 said, and they made him overseer over all of Egypt. <clears throat> he said he'll be the governor of all Egypt. <laughs> and I can see old Joseph say, I'm dreaming. Is it so? I've got to pinch myself. <laughs> First I was in a pit. And then I was in a prison. And now I'm in a palace. Oh, he said, I want to tell you some final things. You know what Pharaoh said to him? He said, Joseph, I'm going to give you a parade. I want every knee to bow in the land of Egypt. He said, Joseph, we're going to take a trip and we'll go wherever you want to and every knee's going to bow. Let me tell you, the first time the Lord Jesus Christ came, they spat on him, and they crucified him. But the next time, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. I'm glad I've already bowed. I'm glad I've already said, Bill, thank the Lord. He is the king of my life and the king of my soul. And so we see Joseph go four places. We see him go down Main Street in Cairo. All of those Egyptians come and kneel at that little Hebrew's feet. And Joseph said, I dreamed it, Pharaoh. 
God told me when I was 17 years old that I would be exalted. God told me about it. Now listen to me. God's told you in this book you're not what you will be, but when you see him, you're going to be like him. God's told you that the best is yet to come in the life of a Christian. Oh, he went down the main street in Cairo and they bowed on their knees. All right, number two. I can hear him say, take me to the auction stand where they first took me when I came into Egypt by the Ishmaelites. And they take old Joseph down and he pulls up there. That old guy's beginning to sell old slaves and looks out and he sees Joseph. And he said, there's Joseph. I remember when I sold him a nobody. And now he is the governor of all Egypt. And he falls down at the feet of Joseph. Brother, they're going to fall down at the feet of Jesus one day. Thirdly, he said, they won't go. I'll go down to the prison where for two years I sat on that old cold slab. Two years a lying woman had me in that place and I was innocent and I was pure and I was clean. Two years they forgot me. And that old guard, he kicked me. That warden, he came by and buffeted me. Said, pull up in front of that prison and let them come out now. And boy, they run out and raise their hands and fall at the feet of Joseph. I imagine he says, one other place I want to go. And Pharaoh said, any place. He said, take me to Potiphar's house. I want to pull up in front of that old lying, conniving woman's house. I want her to come out now and holler rape. I want her to come out now and lie on me. And they pull up in front of Potiphar's house, and I can see that old woman run out. And she falls down at his feet, and, and she says, my Lord. Oh, she falls down at his feet, and she acknowledges that Joseph is the ruler and the leader over all of Egypt. Dreams had come true. And Joseph could look over at Romans 8, if it had been written, and verse 28, and said, And we know, not hope so, and we know that all things, everything that's ever happened, everything that ever will happen, if I love God... If I am the cause according to his purpose, it'll be all right. It'll be for my good and God's glory. Every knee's going to bow. They did for Joseph. Now, let me give you this. When I first moved to Columbia as a young preacher, I never will forget it. A young preacher. I had a church, and it was the first Baptist. Of course, it was the first and last Baptist. Say, man. Praise God, I shouted to victory. Old Swafford came down and preached for me when I was in Greenwood. And you know what Swafford did? I'm going to tell you what he said. He forgot me. He told me, he said, I love Tennessee so good. I'm good mind to go back and put on my program the Tennessee Walls. That's what he said, sitting right there. And when I got up to introduce him that night, I said, Friends! I said, I'm going to introduce you, my friend. And I told him about that Tennessee Walls. And you know what Swafford said, and he got up. He said, yeah, I may like Tennessee Walsh, but I don't chewing gum like you do. Amen. That's what he said down at that. But listen, I was pastoring down in Columbia. And out on the highway, number one highway, there were five houses right up above the church. I said to one of the best deacons that ever lived, I said, Brother Way, I said, mean, you've got to visit them five houses first. Because I'm going to win them to God. 
We can't go down ten miles and win. We're going to win them right here next to the church. He said, there's only one of those little houses that come to our church. I said, well, we, and some of them didn't like them. It's poor folks. All but one. It's, every one of them was poor folks. Let me tell you, when this church gets to the place that you don't love the poor and the downcast, uh, and listen, you need to close your door and put a wreath on it uh, because you're dead at four o'clock in the morning. Do you know what we did? Listen to me. We went to the only house first. That old guy on the inn had money. And oh, he said, I ain't going up there. He said, he hates God and hates preachers. I said, well, brother, I'm going to knock on his door. And I knocked on his door. He came to the door and he said, can I help you, young man? And I said, yes, sir. I said, I'm pastor of the Brick Church, the first church I hit in for. <laughs> he said, get off of my porch. I said, Mr., I didn't come up here to get off your porch. I came up here to tell you that Jesus loves you and you need God and you need to start tending. And about that time, a little boy came out. And I said, hi. And he said, hi, mister. I said, well, bless your heart. I said, we have Sunday school for little boys like you right down there at the church. You can see it right here. And that man got angry. Oh, his face became flushed. And he said, that boy's got plans. God is not in his plans. And he said, I'd appreciate you never inviting him to come to the Sunday school here. I said, well, mister, if you'll let me, I'll pick him up Sunday morning and take him down and let him hear about my wonderful Lord. That man said, get out of here. And I started to leave. He said, let me tell you something. I'm going to work six days a week for now. And I'm going to put up all the money I make on Sundays just for him. He's going to West Point. He's going to be great. I said, wait a minute, mister. You don't pay to go to West Point. You've got to have a... Oh, but said he's going in style. And I slammed the door in my face. That little old boy is about four years old. Every time I'd ride by, I'd see him and I'd wave and cry. Started to school when he was six. Daddy took him the first three days himself. And on the fourth day, the bus stopped out in front of the church, in front of those little five houses up there. Let him out. Two boys from Camden, South Carolina, speeding. The little boy went around the bus. They didn't stop, and they hit him and broke him all to pieces. The man didn't know it. He was at work, and his wife ran out, and I ran as fast as I could. And she said to me, Preacher, pray. I said, I will. We called the ambulance. The ambulance came. We took him to the hospital, but he was dead. I waited till that night. I went up to the funeral home. I knew they didn't have him ready. But I went in. That man was standing there, and he said, Get out. I said, Mister, I'd just like to tell you a little something. We love you. You're part of our neighborhood. And my ladies down at the church, the ladies of our church, will bring food to you. And anything we can do, mister, we'll do it for you. We're praying for you. He said, get out. And I had to turn and get out of the funeral home. The funeral mortician followed me. He said, May's the hardest case ever seen. He said, we're going to take the boy home tomorrow. They just want a little graveside service. Next morning, they brought him home. They put a little wreath on that little door there at the first house. And uh, they rolled him in. And me and O.A. were standing outside. I said, O.A., I'm going to be the first to go in. He said, Mace, I wouldn't go. I said, yes, sir, I'm going in. I went in. And, boy, he was standing there with a coffin just screaming at that little boy. Why? 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 
I laid my arm up around him and said, God loves you. And he said, God don't love me. And pushed me back. He said, I want to tell you something, mister. You know why I don't like you? I heard you preach the other day on WKIX here in Columbia. And you said that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess. But i got news for you. I'll never bow. I'll never confess. And I said, sir, the Bible said you will. And his little wife ran out and said, please don't run him away again, honey. He's been kind to us. And he said to his wife, get my boy's toys. And they brought a little rocky horse that he'd had when he was younger. And a ball and a bat. And they placed it on the chest. And he said, wait a minute. He said, come back over here. I walked slowly. He grabbed me around the neck. And me and him both went right down to the casket in those toys. He said, I'm willing to bow my knee to the Lord. He said, I'm willing to bow my knee to the Lord. And brother, he bowed his knee to God. Did you know we had the funeral in our church? I got up and walked with him. The last time he looked at his little boy, and he said, Son, I'm glad I'll meet you over yonder now. Oh, but as we went out to the cemetery, I kept hearing, Come here, bow my knee. But he did. Folks, if you're here tonight, you hear me. Like in the days of Joseph, everyone in Egypt bowed their knee. But when the Lord Jesus comes, everyone shall bow their knees to God. Every knee will bow. Every head bowed all over the house. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. All your heads are bowed. Eyes are closed.